Hey, this is Bob Lee, and you're listening to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, the world's game from an American perspective. Hey, hello, everyone, and welcome to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn. That's me, joined as I am each and every week by media executive Grail Hallett and OTB producer and Syria specialist Sam Griswold. Today on OTB, we catch up with the legendary Martin Luther King men's uh, soccer coach, Coach Martin Jacobson. He has literally put scores of players in the professional ranks and college ranks. And oftentimes it sees kids, uh, recent immigrants to this country, make sure that they get an education. They have a place to go, uh, keeps them off the streets. The man changes people's lives and he produces some pretty amazing soccer players uh, and teams, one of which Grail watched uh, this past week and was uh, blown away to say the least. So we'll be talking about that. Uh, a lot of other things to talk about today on OTB. Ted Lasso, a soccer-themed show, absolutely dominates the Emmys. We'll talk about that a little bit. The new uh, League Cup was announced. Uh, maybe Sam or Grail can unpack that news. I guess it's a big deal. It gets confusing, all the cups and letters and all that. Uh, U.S. women's national team, they're back in the news with another big gluttonous win over Paraguay. A big, 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 big rival, apparently. Uh, I didn't know about it. Uh, Champions League action, big Premier League games, and the U.S. men's national team happenings. Uh, we take a look at how some of the guys are faring overseas and what to look for as uh, they try to qualify coming up. So, guys, I go back on the road next week. Uh, it's been a really up and down thing for any sort of performer, uh, you know, because it seemed like things were starting to open up, you know, over the early course of the summer and people were getting back and clubs were booking people again. Um but uh, then it all closed down again. So, uh, but I go on the road. I've, I've written a one man called, uh, what's the name that I wrote it? Uh, Fear of Heights, which I do. I'm in a, a theater next week for a full week run in Old Saber, Connecticut, then Nantucket, then Martha's Vineyard, and then Cape Cod. So it's, uh, I'm on a three week run. So I'll be doing over the ball from, uh, from on the road. So is it vertigo related humor? Vertigo? What do you well, mean? Well, Fear of Heights. I mean, I'm trying to think. Well, it's about uh, it's about, you know, my father and grandfather were iron workers and, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, my grandfather is actually one of the ones on that famous picture of the guys up on a beam. Oh, yeah. The furthest, he's the one furthest on the right holding a bottle in his hand. That is my grandfather. And uh, so it was basically me growing up and um, in Connecticut and the options and opportunities I had as opposed to the ones my father had or didn't have really. But all the time, this Flynn family business, which is being an iron worker, uh, I could never do if, uh, if really, if, if everyone knew that I was afraid of heights. And in my family, if you were afraid of heights, there was something wrong with you. So I never told anybody until my father uh, <laughs> at the end there. So, um, but we, you know, one thing I want to talk about quickly, guys, before we get going here and see what you're over, uh, I have a couple of friends, you know, one of the guys, uh, you know, comedians, it's been really tough. And then one guy is a friend of all the comics. He's a bartender here in LA. He wasn't working for a long time. Um, and then uh, two of the guys don't, did not get a COVID shot. Now one guy's kind of overweight living in Florida. I'm like, dude, what is wrong with you? And then this other guy, he's in really good shape. I played soccer with him out here in LA, uh, kick around stuff. Uh, very fit bartender. He's like, I have tiger blood. Don't worry about it. Well, just to say he winds up on a ventilator and uh, he got through that, but now he has long-term effects. So he's really fighting that. He has a hard time breathing and uh, it feels like he's always got a, like a sinus infection. It's just uh, pretty sad. So, and then I have a, a third buddy who had open heart surgery. This happens when you get to be our age, I guess, Grail, uh, this with friends, but a, a triple bypass. He said that all went well, but he had, when he had complications, he had to go back to the hospital, Yale, New Haven. Yeah. And he said, there were gurneys and cots and 
uh, hospital beds in the hallways. They put him in a, in a broom closet, basically a large broom closet. He said there was no room. And he said, boy, they, the nurses were fine with him, but they were pissed. They were pissed. They're overworked. Um, and it's all because of the, the 95% of hospitals the are filled with people are, who are have unvaccinated, unvaccinated COVID people yeah. and they're pissed and I don't blame them. So it I'm, used to be e pluribus unum in this country. Now it's just like, no, not me. I'm not sacrificing. I'm fed up. Me. I'm not going to yeah. tiptoe around it anymore. Get vaccinated. Yeah. Enough. Well, it's actually, if you're not already, it's, I don't know. We're worried about you now. You're not even worried about yourself. Yeah. So anyway, Correct. guys. Uh, we could talk to a blue in the face with that one. And, uh, you know, political leanings always come up though, Grail. I always try to say, well, this isn't a political argument. I'm just talking about your health. And then it turns into a political discussion. And you're yeah. like, okay. It's a, right. it's a fellow person argument. It's like, do you want to help people around you? And if you don't, you're very selfish, which is what's right. going on. All right. So guys, before we uh, get going, I think we've already gotten going. Uh, what are you over on OTB? Sam? Uh, yeah, I'm over the constant talk uh, every week about, you know, these big clubs that are in crisis every time they they draw uh, or lose, you know, a single match. Um, you <laughs> right. know, the season, the season is long. Um, you know, I'm sure Man United are going to qualify out of their Champions League group. For example, I bet Man City still ends up winning the Premier League despite drawing against Southampton or whoever it was. Oh. Mm-hmm. I think Juventus are going to do fine despite their slow start to the season. And I just would rather have more focus on, you know, these small teams that are doing more with less and getting these good results. I'd rather take that approach to these games rather than, you know, the sky is falling every time something doesn't go We're well. Doomed, for, We're you'd doomed. rather focus PSG. On, you'd rather focus on Brentford and kind of the feel good story of that versus, oh, my goodness, Man City drew. Sure. Well, I think the sheen is off Man City a little bit. They seem beatable this this year, which mm. they haven't in the past sometimes, but uh, they're pretty loaded. Uh, they, p- Liverpool put out a big deep side, too, as, as well. But That was a I good comeback, you. yeah, against AC Milan. Yeah, I hear you, though, Sam. It's sort of like uh, the nature of the game that we know, right, is that the smaller teams can beat the bigger teams because you're more motivated, you're playing at home, whatever it is. There's a lot of factors that go into it, and uh, it seems like as the bigger teams, especially in the Premier League, where I feel like the top teams are so dominant with their talent, mm-hmm. with their money, with their stadiums, with everything else, that y- you're right. If uh, nothing but a, a win, a 3-0 win will suffice for the, some of the, the fans. And yeah, the, and I think uh, it really happens, Sam, in like the group stage of like Champions League, right? That's where it really reaches a crescendo. Like, oh, my mm-hmm. God. Like, I even would say like, oh, my God, PSG through with club Bruges as if PSG is not going to get through the group stage. Right. Right, Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And that's all the numbers game that they start to do the statistics on you, you know, home and away and all the other stuff. So, all right, Grail, what are you over on OTP? So I'm, I'm over the uh, overly excited borderline maniacal hyperbolic match commentary um, when the action doesn't warrant it, you know, my, I, I have a big grumble with American commentators, soccer commentators. who I think mm-hmm. default to yelling when they don't really know how to commentate on what's actually going on in the field. And so my case in point is Sebastian Salazar was commentating the first, uh, U S women's national team drubbing of Paraguay, which was, uh, oh, I believe nine nil. And, yeah. you know, and, uh, uh, um, Carly Lloyd scored five goals, which was very nice, but I mean, the game was such a mismatch that for he was acting like it was Carly Lloyd in the World Cup final against Japan where she scored a hat trick, which was like something to get excited about. This was just humiliating. So I was like, it almost seemed unfair to be getting that excited at the expense of Paraguay, frankly. Well, yeah, here's it was all it's exactly what, what it is. And I, I say, look, um, 
I have always been so pro-American announcer and they need to find their feet. Um, but I do not understand some of the some of the picks that they grab on who they're going to get behind. And Sebastian Salazar is one of them. I, I don't get it. And, but I kind of have held my comments only about his speaking Spanish. I'm saying, oh, if you're going to pronounce the Spanish words, do the French ones, do the, you know, the creation. I go down that road. But I will say I, I have mentioned his name to a few uh, respected journalists and they've rolled their eyes. So I, I don't quite get it either. I think in his defense, um, you're trying to basically build excitement where there is none. And this is the thing with the U.S. women's yeah. national team, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but I, I think they have mismanaged everything. They're, they're playing these games. It's almost like a Harlem Globetrotter tour where they're going the on this barnstorming thing. There's no competition. They're they're beating the shit out of these teams that barely have soccer programs. After 10 years of this shit, it's people are like, I, I don't, you know, I'm just not watching it. And I tell you, people are like, what are you, sexist? I'm like, no, I, I don't watch women's NBA, WNBA, but I watch the NBA. And am I sexist? I don't, I don't know. But um, at least the WNBA is there's parity within the yeah. leagues and there's real competition. Uh, you know, um, so it, it's sort of like I, I don't get it. And then this movie that I still haven't seen that's like, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, just the highlights. They tried to go on that RPG thing, uh, RBG thing, you know, and it's an L, you know, LFG. LFG. Yeah, tried to L parlay. L it. I mean, yeah. it has been so calculated. And uh, and I know, Sam, you have some comments on some of the some of the comments that um, that uh, Morgan made. So we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. So anyway, uh, you know, here we are, a Grail. We're trying to support American broadcasters, but yeah. I think if someone doesn't have it, you you know, after a couple of years, you got to uh, you know. Move Kevin, on. Do, do you feel um, you know? I, I I sort of think sometimes there's like a leftover feeling within the media here that soccer is not exciting, and it's yeah. like, how can we make this game fun and interesting yes. to an American audience? Yes, and that may be why people go over the top a little bit. Um, I think I, we're at a point where we've matured enough now. Yeah, but I wonder if that's still left over. I think it definitely is, Sam. And it was interesting because Julie Foudy was Salazar's partner, and she, of course, is very measured. And then I thought back to the uh, the women's world or the uh, the Olympics, where it was Julie Foudy and Arla White, who's a very measured guy. And it was so much better for Julie Foudy to be matched right, up right, with right. somebody who's like even toned than a screaming lunatic who's like going off about a nine nil friendly win. I mean, it was just it was just disproportionate to what was going on. Right. Uh, all right. So, and that's, you know, a lack of knowledge or. Yes. Look, I tell you, when I when I did the 94 World Cup, the first goal that was scored by Winalda, uh, they were at the, the dome in Detroit there. I went over the top with my exuberance. And, you know, my buddies called me yesterday and said, hey, it wasn't that great of a goal, dude. And and I was like, oh, wow, I suddenly it helped me build some perspective as the tournament went on. And when I yeah. really could recognize what a really good goal was and what just a goal was, or, you know, a lucky deflection or whatever. Um, and I think there's part of it, but in, but for Sebastian, he's been around for a couple of years now. I don't know if they're telling him to pump it up because it's yeah. a women's game and they're beating up on Paraguay, you know, so it's, uh, it, it, you know, and they're trying to build an audience maybe, but yeah, I, th you know. I think like John Strong and Stu Holden is the perfect decibel level. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's excited, but it's not absurd. I think they're very good. I got to get, I give them big marks. I think John Strong, on the play-by-play -play and Stu Holden as the uh, color guy. Very right, good combination. They're our go-to people right now. Yeah. So, uh, all right, so let's talk about this Ted Lasso. It dominated the Emmys. Uh, I know one of the executive producers, uh, Billy Rubel, I'm going to try to get him on the show to, to discuss the sort of uh, – 
the, the beginnings of this, which we know was from the Premier League commercial, the Ted Lasso commercial. But, uh, you know, one of the some of the comments he made to me was like, he, you know, the conventional wisdom out here in L.A. when you're pitching these shows was like there was no no stomach for a soccer program. And, and he said, well, look at this. This is it dominated the Emmys. So uh, I enjoy it. I, I really do. Yeah. I think if you're a soccer person, you looked at it with sort of a jaundiced eye because you were like, what? Wait a minute. And and some of the things don't ring true. But it was so much more than I when I discussed this with other, you know, comedians and actors and friends uh it's it represents so much more than soccer really it's about people so that's well, really yeah and the real advantage they had Flynn, is they essentially had a promo reel or reels from the spots that they did for the premier league on nbc sports network which is where jason sudeikis created that character right so, i mean which, he existed which was a great thing to be able to say hey we just want to take this and extend it you know, the question is, is it extendable? It's kind of like, is a Saturday Night Live skit worthy of a movie, right? Sometimes it just doesn't work. But in this case, I think it actually works pretty well. Well, this is where, uh, yeah, he creates that character, but it's sort of one dimensional in it. In fact, it was the kind of character that annoyed me, which was like this, the, the stupid cigar chewing football coach who comes in and just says stupid shit to <laughs> soccer players and right. doesn't know what they're talking about. Um, but what it, it's grown on me is that, you know, there's a lot of depth there. He's, first of all, he's very positive, which I think America needs right now. Yeah. He's always up. But the backstory is he's got some real dysfunction happening and, uh, and, and, you know, his positivity uh, rubs off on people in, in a good way. And then, um, you know, so there's stories there, there's depth there, there's character there. So, it's and really the interesting good. thing is it's really caught on here in the United States, but it's not nearly as popular over there. And part of that, of course. you know, having lived there, part of that is just anti-American sentiment where they don't want to give credit to anything that's American, frankly. Right. And I've Sam, seen, you're very, Sam, you're very quiet. I think that was <laughs> well, you aren't a, Sam, a Ted Sam, Lasso fan. We can see Sam and I see steam coming out of his ears uh, over the Zoom. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not a huge fan. I won't go too too deep into it. But I'm curious because there, there are very good reviews of it in places like The Guardian, The Independent, mm -hmm. the British press in general. Oh, so it just seems like, well, but that doesn't mean people are watching. Watching. Well, no, no, it's just yes. not the obsessive viewership that it is over here. I, I agree right. with him. I think the reviews have been good. I think they find it kind of funny, you know, yeah. but uh, overall it doesn't, it hasn't taken on a life of its own as it, as it is. Yeah. Um, I, so I listened to another podcast, God forbid, um, the, the totally football show with James Richardson, which is a UK based show. And specifically the one I listened to is, uh, you know, it brings in all these guys from around Europe who are experts on the various leagues. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't really focus on England very much. Um, but Lovely, anyway, lovely, lovely. <laughs> they they have, um, you know, coined Jesse Marsh as a.k.a. Ted Lasso. And they, you know, they have a bit of a laugh about Bullshit. it. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it, but they all seem to have this sort of they seem to be looking down a little bit on the show. Um, yeah. Why don't general. we give them a job over here on air <laughs> if they're looking down on it and they're English? Yeah. Let's let's bring them over here. Yeah. So I don't I don't like the Jesse Marsh comparison, especially since he's had a rough start to the season. And yeah. as I've said, he's already going to live in the shadow of Ted Lasso from now on. Yeah. So uh, um, don't you think that was you know. a bit of a Bob Bradley thing? And Bob Bradley, who should be respected, uh, is not over there. He has to the, succeed. The I mean, shit it, he had to go through. It, it's unfair, I think, because he's American. He has to succeed that little bit more i mean it's right. just the way he's being judged now look they had enough confidence in him to give him a big job and mm -hmm. it, the management is backing him up 
So yeah. hopefully it takes he gets time it together. It's a rough start for him. I mean, yeah. I hope it all works out. Oh, that's all the coaching thing. Whether, you yeah. know, whoever, every coach is going through that. That's just the way it is. Uh, yeah. You know, look at, look at what's happening with Tottenham, you know, or thinking, um, you know, play, start to play his style and, and, you know, a new coaching change, Pacchettino, you know, at PSG, it's like, they're all, you know, it takes a little while to gel, yeah. but what, you know, Sam's referring to that annoys me is just that the attitude yes. towards American soccer and players, yeah. it's just, and then, so then we give them the gigs over here. It's although, just, although interestingly guys, a lot of English commentators are very uh, praiseworthy of major league soccer, you know, our John champ, our friend, John champion, a lot of people like that are like, they don't look down on it. They said, Hey, this is a legitimate league. I mean, they're not saying it's the Premier League, but they're yeah, saying but it's nothing to be embarrassed about. John has class and John yeah. actually you know, has perspective too, because right. he's spent so much time over here. So, yeah. uh, all right. So, the League Cup guys, you want to unpack this a little bit now with this yeah. announcement with MLS? So, I believe it is, I believe it is the League's Cup. Is that correct, Sam? I think so. So, yeah. it's because so, it's no, because it's MLS and it's Liga MX, hence the plural league. It's like lime and lime. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's, I mean, uh, and Sam, jump in here. It's, it's going to be a month long summer tournament in 2023, um, kind of a, in a way, a, a, like a bridge between the 22 World Cup and the 26 World Cup, which will be played over here. And it's uh, 47 teams, kind of a World Cup format. And, uh, I, I, I see it as maybe a, a chance is almost like a, uh, a, a test run for the world cup over here to make sure everything operates properly, but also maybe down the road, emerging of uh, Liga MX and MLS. Or yeah. So we, we should, yeah, we should point out that the teams in the competition are the entire, you know, roster yes. of MLS clubs and the entire roster of Liga MX clubs yeah. who are going to go into a group stage and then eventually get down to a knockout tournament. Uh, and I think, I don't know. I don't love that MLS is going to put its season on hold to accommodate this. And Liga MX is going to actually push its start date back because of this, I believe, in the mm -hmm. fall. Um, I do think, and what they talked about during the unveiling was the, they have identified a very rare window in the calendar where there's not <laughs> a lot of soccer going on. That being, you know, basically there it is. August. There it is. There's one, there's one right there. Take Take it, there, it. there. <laughs> um, and the real goal here is to gain interest and traction in the international audience, because essentially people are realizing you're never going to have a big league and pay your players a lot of money if you're not generating a ton of foreign TV rights. So do I think that's, a, a legitimate, um, you know, possibility. I, I don't know. I, I think it could be yeah. kind of a cool tournament. I, I don't like that. It puts the MLS on the shelf for a little bit, which I think should be well, the look, main focus. Sam, to me, it looks like they both compromised. They both yeah. uh, gave a little to, to get a little, to get a lot perhaps. And, you know, I think your comments in the past have been that some of these games are not, you know, don't mean anything. There's no value. This puts a little more value on sort of qualifying in, in certain realms. So uh, this is the exact opposite of what the women are going through, which nothing ever means anything. Yeah. Uh, these games. So, uh, so at least this is, this answers your, you know, call Sam to say, let's yeah, I mean, we're going to play these games. Let's make them worth something. Right. That's true. And there, this does not replace the CONCACAF champions league. And in fact, I think the top three teams must qualify for the CONCACAF champions league. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> You know, I might suggest they really just go after one of these tournaments and really try to make it the big deal. But um, right, and know, there is there, there is the practical element of kind of doing it as a uh, a testing ground for the big the bigger tournament that's coming down in 2026. In terms, yeah, of but that's that's with, short term though, Grail, right? That's no, I know, no, but I'm just saying there's there's no doubt that that's built into this idea of doing it. That they they're thinking long. That's the longer play. 
is what I'm saying. All right. So, so you guys mentioned Jesse Marsh. She's struggling a little bit early on. But like you said, Grail, I think there's plenty of time to write the ship. Everybody panics, especially when a big, cl- you know, big clubs are losing. Um, but it's so early in the season. So uh, give him time. But uh, a check on some of the, the men's national team players playing overseas. I guess Buzio is doing pretty well in Syria. Ah, he's, he's fitting right in, Sam. Yeah, I've really enjoyed watching me plays for Venezia, who are right now in the 18th of 20th uh, place. So they're not a, exactly a top team, but I think he's looked really good the little I've seen him. And in fact, he's been, according to whoscored.com, their highest uh, rated player, aside from the goalkeeper, who's uh, you know faced a ton of shots because they're one of the lower teams. Um, right. So I, I've been really impressed. He definitely does not look out of place at all. I think the Serie A really fits his style of play. Uh, is really good control, really good first touch, a really good possession player. Um, yeah. I'm curious to see if he isn't included in this next round of qualifiers because uh, we're going to talk a little bit later about some of the COVID issues uh, surrounding yeah, that. Yeah. But um, I, I don't know. I, I, I can see why he struggled with the physicality of the Gold Cup, and I think he needs to like grow into that a little bit. But um, he tried to step up. You could say you could tell tell yeah. in the play that he yeah. started to, started to get. You know, you cannot be that that knock and support type of midfielder and not get stuck in um, yeah. and, and do your defensive work. So what's his background? Do you know, he's got Gianluca. Uh, yeah. His, uh, his, so. his father is, um, is Italian. Um, mm-hmm. And I believe his mother is uh, African-American. And I don't know if his dad was like a, a top, top professional player, but I know he played soccer. So he oh, clearly, you, um, you know, has, That's had, the early has years. had that background. Yeah. And he's out of the Dallas area um, in their program. They put out a lot of great players. So. Yeah, speaking yeah. of, I mean, speaking of Dallas, just a slight deviation, guys. I, you probably read that Lucci Gonzalez was sacked as the head coach of Dallas FC, and we speak, mm-hmm. we talk a lot about Dallas FC as kind of the place that develops talent. And it is kind of curious that the starting team and the players they develop don't seem to kind of mesh. You know, the team, the first team underperforms. But on the flip side, they keep real producing these amazing players that end up going elsewhere and doing really well. Developing players, which is yeah. uh, which is key. They're, they're really kind of the best at it. Um, Timothy Weah in uh, in France came back from injury. He was rated high, but uh, his team is uh, sort of uh, you know bottom of the table or close to it. Um, but I have not seen him play much for the U.S. Men's National Team. No. Um, he's always hurt, or he comes on late with these sort of flashes of brilliance that don't lead to anything. So. I really hope he develops as a player at Chelsea. Uh, Pulisic has got me worried. I mean, he he just he just gets injured injured so much. It's really uh, it's tough to watch in the, in the qualifier, yeah. and he's still not fit to go. And I mean, Chelsea, unfortunately for him, has other players that can step in. That's my concern. Yeah, is that he just isn't going to get the minutes, and they're going to kind of move on from him. And they bring back, uh, you know, they start Mason Mount at, at Chelsea, and then at halftime they put in Nicola Conte comes in, and I mean these are you know two world, you know, two national team players yeah. on their, for their own countries, and so I think even if he's healthy, he's in a battle to get some playing time. Sure. You know, he certainly comes off the bench and does some great things uh, for them. Uh, that burst of speed, but we have been concerned about him since day one because he's yeah. thinly built and he holds on to the ball and he takes a beating. It's like the and, Michael uh, Lowen of American yeah. soccer, just very fragile. Fragile. And you look at a player like, you know, Messi, as great as he is, he gets hacked and hit and yet he he does not get hurt that often. Yeah. So he, though he's yeah. looking at a little injury now. Um, Tyler Adams is sort of in uh, Leipzig and um, you know, we know where his, he got, his he got burned. He got burned in that man city match. I don't know if you guys saw that he got just roasted. 
on one of the goals against Man City. So, and McKenny, uh, Juventus, Sam, um, what do you think is going to happen there? He's he's gotten some playing time. Yeah, I mean, he played he played ninety minutes yesterday, which was good to see. It's the first yeah. time he has all season. Uh, Juventus are definitely going through an identity shift. It's not been a happy start to the season for them. Uh, I think they've had their worst start in something like 60 years. Uh, but he, even even in playing the full match yesterday, didn't really impress uh, me or the Italian media who have been generally very high on him. But um, there's a sense that he really just doesn't fit into the new manager. Uh, Ale I mean, Pirlo, Pirlo loved him, Sam, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, Pirlo liked him a lot. Um, Pirlo's way of playing was much more kind of fluid, move around, mm-hmm. you know, more creative kind of stuff. And uh, the team now is much more structured and based around defending first and uh, first and foremost. And he's anyway, he hasn't he hasn't really found his rhythm um, and his place in that that setup yet. It is I'm it curious. is tough, you know. I, I'm sorry, Flynn. It is tough though. It's like anything in life, whether or not it's a company or whatever, you know. Especially if you're a young person. You know, you get attached to a guy like Pirlo who really has the confidence in you. And then through no fault of your own, that changes, which changes everything. Yeah, absolutely. But Sam, didn't they sort of couldn't figure out where to play him at first? And then they sort of let him play everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Let him roam. Yeah. In the beginning, he was kind of the super sub who could come in and fill any in any role, which was great. And then, um, you know, the way Pirlo set up the team, he kind of, you know, his midfielders would kind of switch flanks like whenever they wanted to roam in the middle a little bit, especially in the attacking part of the field. You kind of could go wherever you wanted, as long as you didn't get in Ronaldo's way. Um, (laughs) So, uh, you know, which McKenney did pretty well in. but I don't know. It hasn't been a great start to the European season for a mm-hmm. lot of American guys, whether it's injuries, as you mentioned, Reina has been injured. So I, I don't know. I feel like the next round of qualifiers could be, could be yeah, tough. Could be I mean, not, tough, not that yeah. the first ones weren't tough, but. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, and, and we could talk about COVID and the situation that we have to deal with in that respect. But I, I just wanted to touch quickly on Sergino Dest. I have not watched Barcelona play, uh, but I'd be curious to see how he plays for them. I mean, I've seen They've him play in the past for them. Around. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that he was always on the right and then they actually played him on the left a little bit in the other match. And I'd say he's been okay. He's not. Well, he does some really great stuff on the ball, but when he played for the United States, I just was like, uh, it was uh, little fits and starts. I didn't see the, um, he held on the ball to the ball a little bit too much. Um, He got caught, you know, at a position a couple times, which is what you always fear. Uh, when someone's playing the outside, you know, back position like that. So I don't know. We'll keep an eye he, on it. He's not Alfonso Davies. I can tell you that. No, not many people are. <laughs> I though mean, though I, I think he's got incredible skills, as you know, Dust. Yes. I think you just need to uh, position him correctly and, you know, sort of say to him, um, you know, this is what your role is. And yeah. I think with the U.S. men's national team, he didn't have that. It was all a little bit discombobulated. So, um, so Sam, talk about the COVID restrictions that we're going to have with the Panama game with the U.S. men's national team. Yeah, so so the next um, break coming up in October, uh, we're going to play Jamaica and Costa Rica at home and then be away uh, to Panama. And uh, that is a country that's on the U.K. red list in terms of COVID travel restrictions. So there is a bit of a conundrum for Burhalter in terms of bringing in the guys based in England. You know, does he do that and then just not take them on this trip to Panama? Does he leave them behind and fill them in with other guys who can make the trip? Uh, so some pretty big decisions to be made. It's also not clear this is well, sort of COVID related. It's not clear if McKenney is going to be back in the setup already. We don't really know what that yeah. you know suspension is going to entail. Uh, he'll he'll but, be back. Um, he'll be back. 
There's no doubt. No, he'll back, definitely yeah. be back. But here's where Twitter gets themselves all in a little lather and a tizzy. In a Twitter. <laughs> in a Twitter. It's like, it's it's basically, Burhalter has a decision to make. We have players he can't use, can use. He has some depth. Uh, he's going to be damned if you do, damned if you don't, whoever he, he picks and takes. I mean, Sam, don't Especially you think, if Mc, they lose. I mean, don't, yeah, don't you think McKenney's going to be back? I mean, there's no uh, yeah. way that you keep him out. No, I, I think he'll be back, but we haven't gotten the official yeah. word on it yet. Yeah. I mean, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. It's, it's only one game. I feel like if you if you beat Jamaica and Costa Rica in both of those games, the panic, the game doesn't really matter as much. So maybe you just go all in on those. I, I'm not sure. Uh, that, that, I mean, qualifying is always tough, man. It is always, always tough. It's, uh, yeah. It really is. And um, and we need to make us qualifying. Tough. Let's hope he gets better because that would be really he, he, he really made a difference, I thought, in that last match. Hey, look, this is one of the first times I feel like a national, men's national team is like, I haven't been able to keep up with all the players in the pool. Yeah. These are guys who are playing overseas on it. I mean, it's pretty amazing that we have uh, this, but to not qualify would just be unconscionable. And then we need all the help we can get out. Sure. Know? So it, uh, it'll be interesting. This Panama game, Panama is one of the weaker teams, but you go away down there to play. It is tough. And this is what you're talking about in the beginning, Sam, with these great teams, people push the panic buttons. It's like, do you know what soccer is about? You know, the, the better team doesn't always win or play better because field conditions and, and other games that they've played and, and injuries or whatever it is. It's just, there's so many factors that go yeah. into it. And uh, Brooks makes me a little nervous in the back. I got to be honest with you. Well, I, I think he made everybody nervous in the back. He played so well for so long. Uh, so he was due for a dip. So let's yeah. get in that dip. And, you know, Panama, I mean, yes, on paper, they're certainly not one of the better teams. As it stands, they're tied on points with the U.S. right now. Same goal yeah. difference. I mean, right. it's not, it's not going to be easy. No, no, no. I, I yeah. you know, no, no way do we dismiss anything, especially after the TNT debacle many years ago, which we will <laughs> never forget. Yeah. Um, and guys, I want to go back to the, the women's national team. I guess we, we, we've touched upon this, but I, I just think they are completely mishandling everything, uh, overplaying their hand. Um, and I think they need a reality check. Now, Sam, talk about this. The, um, the, basically, they offer them equal, equal equitable pay. Right. Yes. And there's been pushback on that, guys. Let's 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 talk about that a little bit. Uh, well, Sam, how about Alex Morgan's comments? Yeah, that, that's how I understand it. I mean, I I've not followed this as closely as you know you guys have. But um, yep. I thought her comments were very interesting in this piece I read in ESPN.com, which uh, was you know, I'll just read them. It says, we need to look line by line at what they're actually providing. That's the U.S. Uh, Soccer Federation. Because if you have equal, but it's not even what we got before or to the value that we are, then we still consider that to be not good enough. Um, so not to get too literal and, you know, parsing no words, people can, you know, misspeak and everything. But I think if you're sort of someone with a very sort of simple grasp of this, right, which right. is the the fighting words are you know equal pay they should be paid equal yeah. you know a statement that comes out from the star player then saying equal may not be good enough and actually worse than what we were getting before is just really confusing it blows up your bullshit argument man yeah, yeah. It's, you know well it's it, it again it speaks to what you're saying Flinny, which is just they're all over the place and i think they got to decide you know who's going to be the spokesperson because it needs to be one person it needs to be one voice and it's got to actually be educated on the issue what what Alex Morgan said makes no sense. It was like, it's literally, she was just trying, it was like word soup or something. And it, and it, it is not the argument that they're putting out there. Well, look, the players agreed to a certain deal. The men's 
the players union and the women's players union. And then they reneged on that and basically beat up U.S. soccer. And you, we have been since day one, all for equitable fields, travel, hotel accommodations, food, of course. A percentage. I, I, was, I was surprised that that was even a thing. Uh, and so, but everybody I talked to who is not a soccer person, the, the general public will say they're getting ripped off. They're not, I'm like, I, I don't see that, guys. I, I don't see that. Well, we blame I, U.S. soccer. U.S. soccer is the one who has the power to give the same percentage of the World Cup proceeds to the men and the women. That's yeah, but, the, no, but I'm but, just but saying, Sam, so they, but, make yeah. it 15%, whatever it is, make it the same it percentage, equitable. but the pool is different. So it's not going to be the same amount of money. And here it is, I think, at the at the end of the day, and people don't like to talk about it. And I get some blowback when I say it, but I think it's a Title IX mentality that they have with the game. They go through college where many of the so women's soccer teams are better funded than the men's soccer teams because of, of Title IX and, and football. Um, but basically, they they want that, and, and they're entitled to that, certainly on a state level and anything that's federally subsidized. Now, if you're talking about the national team, yeah, that's a country that funds this, but the, the, the funds are fungible, right? And, yeah. and also, you know, they don't want to count the 10 million that goes into the domestic league. They don't want to count the, the health insurance that they get. They don't want to count the larger bonuses that they get. I mean, it's, it's absurd. They're, pick, they're cherry picking the arguments and they're putting it out there in the public, beating up U.S. soccer, who, by the way, is not on, you know, uh, is, has some, um, you know, is, could be blamed as well. Yeah, some culpability. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, everybody's to blame. Now this seems like, okay, let's make it equitable. And I think, Grail, you were saying that, they're the two best funded national teams in the world, aren't well, according they? According to the New York Times. I mean, the other thing is I don't think it helps their cause, honestly, when they go out there and beat a Paraguay 17-0 across two matches. That Maybe they think that that, you know, is a statement about their worth. It's actually, to me, it works against them. It's, it's like, embarrassing. Yeah, it's embarrassing. like play the best teams and make it competitive and beating up on teams, you know, that can barely play any defense is just not, to me a great way to win people over. And that's where you, you have to say to people, people like, well, why can't our men win? It's like, my God, it's apples and oranges. Again, it's like a lot of these nations, they do not have an infrastructure for men to play that yeah. much, never mind women. Well, in, women. In, in women's, there's just a massive drop off after the top 10 teams because of what you're ten talking teams, about. 10 teams, top funny. four teams. No, but I'm just saying, if you took the top 10 teams, they would be somewhat competitive. Right. But the minute you go to number 50 with Paraguay, you've got teams that basically can't even clear them. I mean, they, they had one shot in each of the two matches. I mean, that, that, that was it. So, right. Right. And then, and it's, you know, then you're thumping your chest and, and look, man, again, we've talked about this before, but if that was a men's game and I'm going back in after getting drubbed nine zip, I'm, I'm not coming out of there without some people knowing I was in there. I'll tell yeah. you that. Uh, and I don't see that. I mean, the, the best part of the friendlies was actually seeing Katarina Macario play 90 minutes in the second match to see what she can do, because that's the first time she's played a full match. And she's, the, gotta, she's the real deal. She's somebody's real got deal. a crush. That, yeah. one, that no, name always comes I, up, Sam. You notice? No, no, no. I love I Look, she, to me, is like a really, really good player and, and the future, frankly. All right. So Champions League uh, last week and then this week. Uh, you know, interesting start. Poor Jesse Marsh got beat up a little bit by Man City, but uh, he's had a challenging start. Uh, Liverpool, Sam, what do you think? Came back twice over AC Milan to win 3-2 at home. Yeah, that was a pretty good game. I kind of had that on in the background. I mean, I think the score lines not entirely reflect. I mean, Liverpool were by far the dominant team. Uh, yeah. Milan were very fortunate and uh, efficient on two 
two kind of counter. Well, the Italians are always efficient, man. Always. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, yeah, good game they play, overall. They played a good away match, Sam, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. I thought I think AC they Milan did. really played that game well. Yeah, I thought so too. And um, the, the EPL is fun. There's a, there's some new stories, you know, with Ronaldo in there and um, some some coaching changes. and uh, But uh, an interesting week uh, last week. I mean, the, that the Chelsea is, boys look good. Yeah, well, just quickly on Ronaldo. I mean, that, that investment alone has paid off alone. And I'd love to see the shirt sales of number seven. Yeah. I mean, the Man United shirt sales for Ronaldo must be just so through the roof. And that, and that alone probably pays pays for the contract, but yeah, he's, he's made a difference. Um, and Chelsea, I've got to say, you know, I, I was not happy when Lampard got fired and Tuchel came in because I thought Tuchel was just kind of a weird, weird dude. Well, he is. I, I've, got, I've got to tell you <laughs> tactically, I mean, tactically the guy makes moves in games that really make a difference. You know, a lot of times managers make a move and it kind of like nothing really changes. Right. Like, well, Conte came in right away and so yeah, he happened. has an ability at halftime, unlike many, managers out there to make player switches that actually make a difference and he did when he took mount out and he put conte in it totally changed the game and they ended up running over uh spurs in the second half so i gotta give tuchel credit the guy's actually a really good tactician i feel bad for the Spurs. i feel bad for harry kane i mean the, the situation happens where a, a move looms over your head for so long he wants it he's publicly come out and he's been a real team player team leader their captain uh but he wanted to move because the coaching changed, because of just they weren't acquiring enough more, you know, new players, uh, and then he stays there, and then he tries to fire up and play it. And there's something missing this year with them. Yeah, they got a new manager. They they came out of the gate. Nunes, pretty well. right? The, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. They came out of the gate pretty well. They won a lot of one nil matches, but I was it felt a little precarious because you can't keep winning one nil all the time. And then they've lost the last two and they just haven't looked good. And, and Harry Kane has been struggling. So and he's a player, man. He wanted to go to Man City, which ooh, imagine if he was at Man City right now, because they don't have a true striker. It they seems. don't. As, as much talent as they have. Yeah. Uh, but nobody's going to nobody's going to cry for me, Argentina. Yeah, they're they're yeah, really they're struggling. Fine. Yeah, they're, yeah exactly. they're in trouble. I think. <laughs> So, all right, guys, let's take a break there. We got Coach Jake coming up. I always love talking to uh, Martin Jacobson. He, uh, boy, uh, he's done such a great job for such a long period of time. Actually, and we can talk about it as well, Grill. You watched the game last week. and On also, Tuesday, uh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you're blown away by the talent. And also he, how hard he had to work, not only, you know, to keep these kids uh, off the streets and on the field and on the pitch, but uh, the new pitch in the back of, uh, in the middle of New York City on the Upper West Side, Gorgeous. they have a new practice facility. So uh, stick around. You listen to OTB when we come back. Coach Martin Jacobson from Martin Luther King High School. All right, joining us now on Over the Ball, he, uh, a friend, a coach, uh, Coach Martin Jacobson from Martin Luther King High School. Uh, the storied program uh, put out so many players in the college ranks, in the professional ranks. Uh, but also, Coach, you change these kids' lives. Uh, I, I've seen it firsthand as my daughter was uh, going to school down around there, and that's when I first saw about uh, your program firsthand. Grail, I guess you went to a game last week and, I and was watched there. the team. But, uh, so, Coach, uh, we, we've, we're trying to figure it out before you came on the air. Uh, you're ranked number one in the country as a high school team. Is well, that true, well, or well, how well, does that work? not ranked public school in the country. There's three schools ahead of us that are private schools. In uh, prepsoccer.net, uh, they have us number four in the country. But as far as public schools, uh, there's no one even in us. We're the only probably top ten. Well, well, that says so much about, you know, Grail, that was your experience last week when you're watching the game. Uh, Grail felt that 
the team could probably beat a lot of college teams and Grails played college ball. So uh, that was pretty impressive and, but was most impressed by the kids uh, actually heading back for the bus to get home. There wasn't a private bus. It was a, a public bus. Uh, Grail, what were your thoughts on watching the team? Well, play yeah, Jake, Jake, it's wonderful having you here. And I was just, again, I'd, I'd gotten to see Jake's guys play a couple years ago and was uh, blown away at that point. And then I, I went and saw them play on Tuesday out at Randall's Island and <laughs> was was blown away twice as much as I was the previous time. And uh, just an incredibly talented, you know, skilled, fast. Uh, Again, I was trying to think back to my Middlebury days. If I went up a team against a team like MLK, I'm thinking I'd be lucky to come out of that game 5-0. I'm the losing end. So, Coach, to talk a little bit about the process of what you have and what you do at Martin Luther King uh, High School um, with your teams. Sure, Kev. Uh, Basically, uh, well, I'm still the co-athletic director, which is wonderful, but I'm also retired 10 years, but I still coach this wonderful team. And remember, we're in a post-COVID year. You don't seem retired, Jake. I'll tell you that right now. I got to talk to your wife about that one if we're really buying that. (laughs) Yeah, actually, she prefers I work anyway. So (laughs) you say you get out of the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go go to work. Go to work. Uh, No, I've never enjoyed it more actually than I am now and basically the process is simple kids come to my school because it's a uh, uh, the uh, the New York City Public Schools allows kids to apply to any school they wish from eighth to ninth grade and uh, and also transfer from a uh, charter school to a public school because the charters are taken over and if a kid really wants to play for the better teams and have a better future they come and join me Kev they just they come to our school because well, 98% graduation rate, hundreds and hundreds in colleges, top colleges, and 14 pros, you know, so. Uh, Unbelievable. Unbelievable record. Now, let me let me give you the blowback here. Are other coaches in the area, public school coaches, do they get mad because you sort of have a magnet school for the best players? Well, I don't kind of gauge their anger, you know, if that's what they need. <laughs> that's not your problem. <laughs> and I always say, screw it, you know, as you do what I do, you know, go out, take care about the kids, make sure they have a future, talk to parents or, or guardians, or, you know, I, you just do what you're supposed to do. And uh, since 90, 90% of them don't, uh, you know, that, that's a, that's a situation, you know, but you have yeah. to take care of your kids. You know, well, a- I think you give them something to bring them together and we all need to belong and especially many of these kids are new immigrants to this country they're they're feeling out of sorts but soccer is that international language that we can all sort of gather around and and boy i would do anything for my teammates so uh i think it gives them some cohesion and and a way to get through some difficult high school years especially in a new country many times yeah, my kids are uh, either first, uh, you know, born here, a lot of them now, but they're first generation Americans. There's some of them, uh, I've got stories, uh, some of them are still coming across the border, you know, and yeah. trying to find our, uh, their way and a home. Uh, I just have these uh, these incredibly hardworking, they want to be educated, they want to strive for a better life, and it continues and continues and continues. Correct. Right. Grail? Yeah, so Jake, um, it took me all of about 30 seconds of watching your team to identify number 13, Hakeem Karamoko, who's just an incredibly special player. But he also has an interesting backstory, which is not that unique for you because you kind of live this all the time, but for our listeners, I think it would be. So can you kind of share Hakeem's backstory? He's kind of an example of what goes on. Well, you know, he's a recent immigrant 
from the Ivory Coast, Côte d'Ivoire, you know. Uh, oh, and, look at you with the fancy French words. Oh, I know. Côte d'Ivoire. Come on, man. You, <laughs> you know, and Sebastian Salazar. As many as Ivorians <laughs> as I had and West Africans, I should be speaking the... You know, yeah, you can speak Zulu by now, for God's sake. Well, I should speak better French or Wolof or Mandingo, yeah. actually, is one of their languages. Uh, I should be able to be fluent in those uh, things. I'm lucky I can uh, habla espanol. And yeah, yeah. No, you're lucky you can pull off English, pal. <laughs> English, English. I'm starting to master it. <laughs> but he, you know, he he's uh, uh, he had a mentor, a wonderful mentor, lady and and a mom, and they came and said, "Listen, this kid's in this uh, this school, and uh, we want him to come play and be with you because we know you'll try to help him." He also plays for Manhattan Soccer Club, which is one of the better clubs, and he, his teammates play for me. He's got uh, they they played in the national championship for uh, the club club championships. And uh, actually, he was named All-American uh, recently. Wow. Club, you know, uh, he's a special talent. And, and his background is simple. Uh, he needs encouragement. He needs love. He needs help. I mean, he lives with his mom and stepfather. And uh, his real dad came to practice yesterday. His bi a biological dad is a real dad. Everyone's a real dad. And, uh, uh, yeah, it, he's, uh, he's a special, very quiet, unassuming kid. And I wish he would get more selfish on the field. Mm -hmm. And just score the damn goal instead of trying to pass it. If he's yep. like, you know, maybe, you know, you know, I mean, Messi shoots, you know, maybe Neymar needs to pass it more too. You know, who knows? You know, well, when it, when it comes to down to the playoffs, maybe, uh, you know, but you guys. Oh, are I'm going to hammer him to shoot, shoot, just score the damn goal. Yeah, don't mess around this time. And, you know, I, I got to watch this kid play because for you to say it's a special player when you've mm. produced so many special players, mm -hmm. uh, you know, some guys who I've seen play at the college level, uh, the, the one player you had, he's like a family member from yukon i forget his name offhand uh, Mansoor. Mansoor, you know i mean come on you've had some great players so this maybe this kid is special too sounds like he's on the right track as well you know we had two national team players you know bakari samari uh, who played in uh, france in mls and buna buna uh, and buna was a captain of the senegal national team uh and he helps me with my goalies to this day um, you know, talk, talk about that you have seven goalies that you're carrying and i think look i think what that talks about is basically how you try to just bring people into the fold and try to affect as many young men as you possibly can but seven keepers how do you keep up with them well all? we had five and then two more showed up in ninth grade and said well we want to play for king you know they just show up because they want to play for king are they good right. enough to play for king who knows and they also have the old nasl goalkeeper coach he's he's old like me you know two two old men coaching on the sideline uh uh, well, he's a year younger, you know, I'm not mm -hmm. giving away the age yet. No, no, um, don't do that. I'm, I'm with you on that one. I mean, <laughs> and uh, he, he, so we have our own goalkeeper coach and I have two, three assistants and, uh, but I'm on the field more than ever now. I'm literally not f being Alex Ferguson. I'm trying to do stuff myself. Mm -hmm. Boy, my feet hurt at night. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Uh, you know, coach, it's interesting. You know, I talked to Dave Mazur, the coach uh, at St. John's, you know, he's an old friend, old teammate. Um, he talked about one time he went to a, one of these sort of suburban teams, uh, sort of a well-to-do town. And there was a young man on there who, who was there to look at. And the kid was yelling at his mother because she didn't bring his roller and he couldn't play without a, you know, doing his roller pre-warm-up <laughs> thing. And, and it, you know, he just said, I don't want to recruit this kid. He's not the type of player, a type of person that we want on our, in our program. And I think your kids have to do have done so much with so little um to talk about that you've had a couple of experiences where you know you're, you're playing teams that are incredibly well, funded well, and, and you guys show up with a 
We're alone to get to a field on Randall's Island mm -hmm. since the great public school athletic league decided, you know, never ordered their buses. Sometimes they have bus service from 124th and park, if you know, New York city, and they would take them across the bridge. Now the kids either have to walk across a footbridge or take what we call the M 35. Now in my book, I talk about the M 35, you know, what it is is Randall's Island, Ward's Island, is where they keep housed the um, prisoners, uh, right? Criminally insane, or no, not quite criminally, but uh, is that where you live? Suffering from <laughs> mental illness. There's a lot yeah. of mental illness. So the bus, not only it's free because like because the city can't collect from these people on the bus, and my right. kids have to join that bus just to get to the game. And uh, but these kids are that's what makes us tough. You know, yeah, that's so what yeah, makes us who we are. Yeah. You know, that's a bigger battle, right? City kids, city kids. That's just one of the many battles. We, I, we, I, I thought it was great, Jake, that the kids were just uh, uh, pressing you for some granola bars before they raced onto that bus before it took off. I thought that was just such a wonderful scene. I know, but he's feeding them as well. Yeah. I, I mean, oh, I, you know, no, getting I, them there. I, I, yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, I actually uh, order, you know, 12 boxes at a time. I stick in my car every practice, every game. I give them uh, at least granola bars and then water, water mm -hmm. and water before or after or during in school too. I keep boxes in my office uh, because you know these kids, um, some of them don't eat a lot. You know, yeah. we literally don't. We have kids listed uh, as as um, well like listed in the homeless, but they're not homeless. They're living in homeless shelters. I have three of those uh, situations like that. Uh, so we when we try to make sure they're uh, they're fed. It's amazing. You try to teach them the, the big life lessons while you're trying to win some ball games. But the, those other lessons seem to be more important and resonate because not every player, as good as your teams are, is going to be able to play in the pros or go to college uh, to play soccer. Uh, but they can go to college uh, to learn and uh, to, to make a better life for themselves, which is what the United States is all about. Uh, Sam, you had a question for Coach Jake um, about player development. Yeah, so Coach, great to see you again. We uh, we had Desmond Armstrong on a few weeks back, uh, former U.S. national team player, and um, he was he's done a lot of work trying to get soccer into inner cities, into urban areas. And uh, we were talking about how the national team now, despite having more players of color, it seems than it has in a long time, uh, is still largely suburban, uh, and that there's still you know work that needs to be done. And I'm just curious what your what your take on that is, and why maybe it still hasn't reached that. Um, that level you know years and years ago god uh i think kevin knew me that long too uh, uh <laughs> we advocate for for them to come into the city and they never did come into the city i'm not the only city with talent chicago probably has talent in sure miami you go down to and my whole story was going to the city and grab some of these raw talents you know like hakeem you know, not that I want them to, because they'll take them away from me with the bullshit academy. You know, yeah. tell me they're going to be all going to be a pro. That's what they do. They 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 poach my kids and say, oh, hey, join Gachi or go join this team and do it. We're going to make you a pro, which I, I'm totally against. I believe in high school soccer. So right. um, the, the kids are, you know, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're special. You know, they work hard and they want to play for me. And uh, uh, that's what they do. So, Coach, you know, kind of Sam is referring to the fact that uh, a, a lot of the players are, well, either foreign-born or or their parents are from, uh, you know, recent immigrants. So it's sort of, uh, they know the game. They know the game either from their father playing with it or from wh where they have come from. Um, but, you know, we've talked about this before to develop this sort of the inner city uh, African-American player, uh, American Latino player, um, which Latino players have been doing 
you know, pretty well on their own in many respects. Um, but a lot of the futsal courts and everything they're trying to build in the cities are trying to address uh, getting young African-American kids to play. Do you see any progress in that area? Uh, yes. I mean, obviously the national team looks a little differently. Finally, mm -hmm. uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, what's interesting too, as I meant to mention, you know, I have like seven Hondurans and some of our Afro Latino Hondurans, I think they come in from St. Vincent's and they're really yeah. African yet they're, you know, they're, they speak Spanish. So I have a large Spanish contingent this year, which is interesting, you know, between the Hispanics, you know, great, great diversity as always on my team, you know, as well as Africans, islands, Central and South Americans, you know, but I do see the need for them to come back into the city. I think they uh, they're missing out on a lot of what we have, you know, or even Flushing Meadow, where they have tons and thousands of kids playing every day. You know, there are kids in the city and will the U.S. national team do that? I don't know. They have some some uh, make believe scouts out there, I think, you know, I'm well, sorry. Jake, you know, you have a, a, a special challenge as well. Yeah, I mean, you're in the Upper West Side of Manhattan um, and there's no field space and you've had to by hook or by crook make something happen talk about your practice facility oh my god my god my god a good decade or two uh, two decades really. Odd. a decade ago uh or eight seven seven six seven years ago i got a there's an election in city council and i put again a proposal to see if we can we can win this election on the upper west side that would give us three hundred thousand dollars to fund what I consider a field. Now, we know that's not enough. So I was able to politic, and we just had a dedication for it, um, opening the field with the, uh, with, I with the uh, borough president and the councilwoman, and I won the grant. We, we got the kids who were allowed to vote at that time, so I took all the kids, and <laughs> as they left school, I had all my co co people in school usher them to the voting area, which was in the projects a block away. And I said, no, no, you can't go home. You have to vote. And we got them all to vote. And we just barely won. And I got awarded a grant for 300000 went to the schools and the school construction authority and the powers to be. I kept politicking and politicking. And he gave me his, uh, $12 million. And uh, uh, they put in- 300000 to $12 million? You did politic. On terrorists and a $1.8 million mini field, 50 yards by 23 yards wide, a small, narrow. Uh, and there's room to expand a little on the width, but 50, 52 yards long, yeah. beautiful turf, totally. Well, it's gorgeous. gorgeous. But Jake, you're right in the middle of, uh, of course, the, the field. You're like, you got a field because you're in some of the most uh, highly priced real estate in the uh, in the country yes. in Upper West Side of Manhattan. And uh, but to, to to really get a public school to get that sort of facility built i mean my god yeah the politicking must have been absolutely incredible unlike grail who grew up in greenwich connecticut with the uh, you know oh, no. Like, you know, so what do you go to staples high school i went to greenwich I'm high sorry. school in westport no, yeah no, was, no. you know can i, I wish, see the silver spoon please i wish exactly. i would i wish i went to staples trust yeah me. staples has some great players but i had great yeah. teams but uh yeah. you know they, my point is they were fully funded yeah. and you know they're not worried about uh getting a granola bar from the coach for goodness yeah. sakes. You no. know, maybe a gold bar uh, in Greenwich from a coach. I don't know, but not a granola. No, we bar. used to play Staples every year. And Dan yeah. Wook is a wonderful coach. Oh, yes. Yeah, we've had him on the on the show before. Yeah, we love Dan. Friend. Great yeah, writer, too. They stopped playing us after the last game was 8 nothing, so they stopped playing us. Yeah. Oh, I don't blame him. No. I don't blame him at all. 
So, uh, well, how is that, Coach, with competition? Do you have teams that avoid you, or can they not avoid you if they're in the well, public? St. Benedict's avoided me for 20 years, you know, and then you know, the top team in the country, supposedly. They've totally avoided us. Uh, but this year, they can avoid us because the public schools are not allowed to play outside the public schools. Because right, because of, of COVID? Restriction. Yeah. COVID nope. restriction, tracing, and all that. But I had a schedule, uh, seven games I had to cancel or change, and now I'm playing the better PSALs. Schools, you know, well, so we were talking about this before you got on air. I don't even think we were on air, but we were talking about, you know, you're a highly ranked high school team. I would love to see highly ranked high school teams play each other in games, destination games. I mean, I, you know, you could maybe something where, you know, it's at a stadium, you know, uh, what's the stadium out and um, on the way to LaGuardia. There, Icon. Right? Yeah. Icon stadium. I would love to see two great high school teams oh, yeah. play there. Uh, Icon. Icon, we played a lot of championships there. That would be great, you know. Now, when we finally play our little rival Beacon, the uh, the uh, our little the, rival the Beacon, ethnically, ethnically non-diverse team, Beacon, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, we we will uh, grow about eight hundred to a thousand people for that last. That's game. fantastic. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Grail, yeah, Jake. Uh, Kevin mentioned the seven keepers that you carry. Uh, overall, <laughs> your roster is 33 players. I'm just curious. I mean, that's a huge roster. How do you keep everybody engaged? I mean, because I'm sure everybody wants to play. It's tough to play everybody when you got 33 players. How does that work? Uh, you know, I think I overdid it this year, unfortunately, but I couldn't say no to certain kids. Uh, always keep a few friends. And I only have three freshmen on that. But, you know, you know, I have four starting sophomores on this team. Mm -hmm. uh, so... Uh, also the potential for these kids to grow. And then there's kids. I got a kid whose father beats them and, or has a horrible home life. If I don't give him a roster spot, look what's going to happen to him. You know, yeah. I mean, I know each individual story. I know each individual kid. Uh, it's so hard for me to say anything. I, first of all, I have a great new assistant coach uh, from uh, originally from Jamaica, uh, Kamani. He works in a school, uh, Coach Kamani. Yeah, I met him. He's wonderful, and he just uh, helps me with every aspect of my game. I couldn't do it without him. And then, of course, the goalkeeper coach, Coach Mickey. And uh, But bottom line is uh, I can't keep him happy, okay? Right. But because Impossible. we've been a lot of games, I try to get everybody in – on the eight nothing games, you know. Um, That's one of the mothers calling you now. Uh, yeah, I bet it was, is. I forgot. She know. said it wasn't an offside call. It was terrible. Her son <laughs> didn't keep him upside. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Jake, you know, I uh, Greg Kenny, who we both know, he's been on our show a bunch of times. Keeper's keeper. He um, coached at Trinity uh, right. High School there, the private school, and talk about well funded. They certainly were. And he asked me to help them out one year, so I took their second team. And he said, uh, you know, you're gonna have to make some cuts. Uh, so the kids all try out and then I would have had to cut two kids out of, you know, out of 15. And I'm like, you know, you know what? I just can't do it. He goes, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, well, I, just two more kids. And I'll take, he goes, well, it could be a headache for you. I go, no, no, I got to take the two kids. I take the two kids. I, I sit them down. I say, Hey kids, guys, um, look, you weren't going to make the team, but I said, I'm going to carry on the squat. I don't know if you're going to get any playing time, but, but work hard, uh, practice hard. And, and maybe by the, you know, middle or end of the season, we can, you know, get you into some games. Okay, coach. Okay. First game. Uh, they don't play. They come up, uh, coach, how come I didn't play? I was, I'm like, Oh my God. Then the father came over to me. How come my son didn't play? I'm like, well, what, what happened? So no good deed goes unpunished. I don't know how you carry 33. You know, I felt like saying that it, it came it's back and bit me in the we ass. We have one mother that got quite insane on us, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. like, don't you play the quote was, well, don't you play kids that are nice? 
You know, (laughs) they're all nice. (laughs) They're great kids. What do you want me to do? But I brought the uh, oranges. You know, yeah. yeah by, by the way, by the way, Jake, I was really impressed with how all of your kids conduct themselves. There's not a lot of moaning and bitching on the field at all. I mean, everybody just feels very, very connected. It was impressive. Thank you. Yeah. I really like that. You, you know, this is a this is a special year, you know, not that I haven't had it. You know, the documentary was, as you remember, was a crazy year. You know, uh, they covered me in that 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 year, six years ago, four years ago. But the bottom line, this team is indeed special in a lot of ways. I just uh, will, you know, just, um, you know, I'll be, I'll be they'll be taking my shoelaces away if we don't win it this year. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. That. Oh, geez, easy, Jake. I tell you, you know, <laughs> I think when you you win you can uh, you don't have to deal with some other things but i've always felt that when i played growing up i felt like it was a privilege to be on the high school basketball baseball soccer team it was a privilege and mm-hmm. uh, it seems like now uh, with the the way parents are many of them who never played sports suddenly feel like it is their sons or daughters right to start to get time to get i'm saying hey that's fine in youth rec league but when you're in high school now it's coming down to brass tacks. You got to win and all these other things, uh, whatever your father donates to sweatsuits or oranges. Uh, well, doesn't yeah. really happen at Martin Luther King High School. No, that's but- why you're going to say. We don't have that. Many. It happened with one kid, one parent that made a big noise, but they're not, you know, well-off people. They just, just felt like making a little noise. Most of my parents, you know, just say, this is your son or this now it's this is your grandson because I'm older. Uh, please take care of him, you know. Yeah, as opposed to like, you know, Grail at Greenwich where there's the Thurston oh, Howell, God. the third we, uh, practice we facility. Here we go, yeah. you know, plenty of stuff. You know, <laughs> I wish I had coach. Look, I wish I had coach Jake at uh, Greenwich High School because Jake knows soccer. I had a coach who was like given the job because they paid him another couple thousand bucks. So he knew nothing. Well, that that was the American way, yeah. Jake. And you've probably had to deal with that early on in your career because you've been a soccer player. I mean, I've always talked about somehow uh, those of us have gotten a certain level or coach at a certain level have had a mentor uh, and you had a, a German guy that lived in your neighborhood coach, right. That sort of turned you onto the game itself, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and, and Kevin, you taught read you the this, book, man. You read the yes, book. it taught it you the secret language, you know, and, and uh, each of us, I had a, a Portuguese coach that just, you know, it was fun and it was wonderful and creative. And I started to learn this beautiful game and uh, I got to meet people from all over the world and, and travel the world. And it's just, I don't know. It's uh, all of us have had this, uh, special language taught to us. And I think early on, especially in the 80s, early 80s, late 70s, um, there was no soccer. And it was like being in a cult. It was like being a skateboarder or something. Um, so it's it's nice to see the, the growth and the change. But you remember quite well that there was uh, no support for soccer early on in this country. Yes, there's a little more support now. However, you know, I don't get a heck of a lot of support, but we are the heroes of the school. And I, I always felt we're the heroes of the city. You know, we're good for mm-hmm. the city, but uh, it's hard to say. Uh, you know, my only thing is self. It's self fulfillment. You know, it's like and the kids. You know, uh, yeah. there's things that come up. I just want these kids to succeed, and uh, that's my goal. That's it. And and you're doing a good job at that with the amount of kids you've put out. So uh, we got to wrap it up here, but let me uh, ask you, you know, you mentioned your book, which I've read, which is great. Um, I know a lot of the guys at the soccer convention a couple of years ago. Now we're talking about it. Uh, You have a film that's in production, a documentary. Talk about that a little bit. Well, the the old, yeah. Coach Jake is the one that was done four years ago. It's on Mm -hmm. Amazon, uh, Amazon coach Jake. And then uh, becoming coach Jake was the book that came out of the documentary. But the, the, the documentary Coach Jake is still available. People still love it. Yeah. 
<laughs> and when it came out, went to a, a, quite a few uh, festivals, and that was fun, you know. But now, uh, now they're working on something new. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I've signed an agreement with uh, a couple of producers, uh, two different groups, uh, Liquid Light uh, Productions and Southport Entertainment out of Hollywood. Uh, you know, I try to stay away from Hollywood, Kevin. Now yeah, that you're living here. Yeah. Now that I'm here, yeah. It'd be a very good idea. Seems like everybody's trying to avoid me out here. <laughs> Everyone's interested. But now that it's so late in the season, I assume they're pushing this to next year, what they call a docuseries. That's the main right. thing. Now, will they make a movie? Yeah, I think so, eventually. But I maybe maybe I might, unfortunately, be passed on to the great soccer heaven before they do that. No, no, no. You got you got years left, and oh, maybe make a great thirty for thirty on ESPN for sure. I think. You know, uh, but, uh, I think. Yeah, we're well, hoping something breaks. But bottom line is, uh, my agreements of May, and then uh, I got I got uh, I got a call from some other people that are interested. When my you know, look at Jake up. playing the Hollywood game. Well, you know, the game yeah. is like let's take a meeting. Where's the pitch? You know, right. hey, you know what? That's all icing on the cake. Give me a championship. Let me just keep my health. Everything else doesn't matter. You know, right. let, let it happen. If it's going to happen, happen. Try to let it happen sooner than later. That's just life. You know, let it go. Yeah, and they, they that uh, Hollywood game is more than ninety minutes. It takes a long time for some of this stuff to happen. I, you know, look, I've talked about uh, even in my comedy career. Uh, the great thing about starting in Boston was best comic wins. That's it. If you're the funniest, you win. Uh, you come to Hollywood, and suddenly they're like, uh, "Well, you're not the right fit. You're not the right tone. You're not the right." Th-. It's like, oh, okay. So you know, we thought it was funny. The one thing I loved about playing ball was best players cream rises you know you mm-hmm. get to see it you always have that there was nothing great we've talked about this before you'd always be at a tryout or something and the guy with the uh the hairdo and the uh perfect uniform uh, you know all the gear it was always fun when he was the shittiest player you could <laughs> knock him off the ball you know? <laughs> so, so hey coach jake we so love talking to you love uh love uh, what you do for those young men you're shaping lives uh and you're winning in the process and uh we just uh more more power to you pal and uh, i'm hoping to get east and see uh, them play this year um and take the uh the city championship once yes. again yeah. all right coach thanks, martin jacobson yep. from martin luther king thanks, high school thanks, thanks so much you know, nice. thanks, what's Jay. that? Thanking everybody, isn't that what's yeah. yeah, you did that. Um, yeah, that was perfect. You're right. way too polite. You're the most polite guest we've ever had. Always <laughs> say yes, please, and thank you, um, <laughs> you guys. But I, I will say this real quickly. Uh, my parents and my grandmother, especially, always taught me to get up when a woman came in the room or open the door. And I was telling the story last week. I, I opened the door for a, a, an older woman, and she said, "Well, thank you. Chivalry is not dead." I opened the door, same door, same building, about three hours later for a younger woman. She goes, uh, excuse me, I think I can open the door for myself. I'm like, oh, my God, ladies, make up your mind. <laughs> always say please and always say thank you. Yes. Coach Martin Jacobson from Martin Luther King High School, thanks so much for joining us on OTV. We'll talk to you again, Coach. Thank you, Kev. Thank you, guys. I was great getting caught up with Coach Jake. Uh, boy, you know, Grail, I, I got to watch a game because, you know, you're, you're kind of blown away by your experience there this year. I, I, wa- I was. I mean, and, and Flinny and, and Sam, you'd feel the same way. It took me all of 60 seconds to just say, oh, my goodness. Like the, yeah, the, yeah. the speed and the skill alone was just so impressive. And, and as I said, really good kids. I mean, no bitching and moaning and hands in the air and complaining or anything really, really well coached. How they, play, they play it, they play it out wide and keep things open and. Oh, just one twos, one twos. I mean, the thing is, it's like one twos all over the pitch. They're always looking to do quick passes, move off the ball. I mean, again, technically they're playing at a level that is far beyond most college teams I've seen. 
Really? Man, yeah. God, that's, uh, I mean, I got to catch him this year. And I, I guess this year is not that special. They do that every year. So, um, but he's got a special player this well, year. This for, kid, for him to say that is pretty amazing. You, again, you guys would have, I, I saw him touch the ball like within the first 30 seconds I was there. And I was like, oh my goodness. I mean, what does he, he have size wise? Not big. He's probably five nine. Uh, left footed. So he tower over you. Is what the, well, it's, it's funny that Jake said he needs to be more selfish. The first thing I said to Jake when I talked to him after the game is Hakeem needs to be more selfish because yeah. he has an incredible shot. He's he's faster than everybody, and just really good in tight spaces. But not a dribbling maniac. He's always looking to do one twos with guys. He's not one right. of these guys who's dribbling all over the place. Right. So okay. Yeah. Um, what do you have? So no, what? Uh, no quiz this week, uh, Sam. You lazy sorry. bastard. Yeah. Sorry. Can't, too can't much. believe it. <laughs> no, man. He goes so deep on some of those quizzes. I'm I like, Jesus. How many hours did it take uh, for you to put that one together? Even though we totally embarrass ourselves, funny. I love Sam's quizzes. All right. And so some big games coming up this weekend. I know what you're watching, Grail. I'll be watching the same thing. It's uh, Chelsea, Man City. That'll be a good game. I don't know uh, if Pulisic will even get a sniff. Yeah, and then and then next week Champions League we got Man City against PSG uh, next uh, Tuesday, which should be a good matchup. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm gonna check out last week's games, finish the rest of them on Paramount Plus because uh, I, I missed them last week. But it's uh, yeah. I love that the fact that they they live on there, yeah. you know, and you can stream them at any time. It's uh, it's sort of nice. Of course, Sam, you've had a bad experience with Pan- Paramount Plus, but uh, yeah. it seems like you have a lot of bad experiences, Sam. You don't even <laughs> yeah. like Ted Lasso for God's sakes. <laughs> Well, speaking of Paramount Plus, I'll be watching Inter Atalanta uh, noon on Saturday. Should be best game in the city out this weekend for sure. And then Grail, uh, you know, thinking about Jimmy Greaves, the passing of Jimmy Greaves. uh, Wow, uh, looking at his numbers and you know, kind of a. I heard the name before, and I, you know, but but boy, if you lived in England, you know, he he, having lived in England when I was younger, he was iconic. I mean, he's considered by many as the greatest center forward in England's history. Uh, played for Chelsea, played for Spurs, played for England. Um, he started as a 70 year, a 17 year old at Chelsea. Uh, in one season, he scored 41 goals in 40 matches. He's, oh he's, he's, his goals per game average still is the number one at 0.69, still the number one rated goals per game average. Even in, beating Gerd Mueller. In, in, yeah. In, well, in history, in England, in, in England's English. history. Yeah, so, um, you know, Harry Kane has a chance if he stays at Spurs of beating his record of 266 goals. But he's also just a great story because he battled alcoholism for much of his career, which really hurt his career. Yeah. And then he uh, and then he got sober and he became a, 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 a beloved TV pundit um, afterwards when he retired. And, uh, yeah, he's just one of those guys that for people of a certain age in England, Jimmy Greaves is just beloved put on a mantle you know it it talks about a little bit about this culture which is gone now uh, about there was a real drinking culture around oh, soccer around oh foot, you know uh, european football where you know the guys were drinking at halftime even at, after the games but it was just part of the whole culture and now we've learned so much but i guess here in the united states it was you know with mickey mantle and whitey ford all those guys hitting it hard well too. he spent I, I mean interestingly sam this is a, a pure alley he spent a year at ac milan during his career and uh, it didn't work out in large part because he had this night, this nightlife uh, thing going on that was totally counter to the Italian way of being very committed in season. You didn't mm-hmm. do that. You didn't go to nightclubs at night. So he spent like a year with AC Milan and then came back. It was just kind of like a failed project. He, he oh, played I, I, well, but he just didn't, you know, he didn't live by the rules. 
Well, and also it's a different culture. And, I, yeah. you know, back then, especially players did not, especially English players do not do well uh, going over no. you know, to another country. So, uh, all right, Sam, anything else before we wrap up here? No, I think that, that does it. Can you still see video of him? Have you seen? Yeah, you can go on to YouTube and just look up Jimmy Greaves and you'll see some goals there. But, you know, he was 5'8". He wasn't a big guy. He wasn't great in the air, but he was just a clinical goal yeah, scorer. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and Gerd's gone too. So, so yeah. uh, not a good uh, year for, for goal scorers no. uh, this year. So, uh, all right. Well, that's all the time we have today on Over the Ball, everybody. Uh, for Sam Griswold and Grail Hallett, uh, I'm Kevin Flynn. We'll talk to you next time on OTB, but I uh, want to also thank our guest today, Coach Martin Jacobson. Keep it up, Jake. Keep up the good work. All right, everyone. We'll talk to you next time on OTB. <laughs> <laughs>